Welcome to the IMDb Journey Podcast, where we break down every movie from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and Dean, I've just got one thing to say. Nishi Bushi Yewe Coop! There's no way I'm going to get that. What is that? Are you a Coop? Are you a Coop? I think that is uh, expecting a lot that people would get that. Well, anyone who's seen this film Did and you seen... Google some um, bloody Chinese translation? No, no, I just know how to speak Chinese, man. <laughs> You're an odd unit sometimes, and no. Where was I? <clears throat> and if Martin Scorsese really didn't know The Departed was a remake of this while filming, then my name isn't Dean Jeffrey. And today we are breaking down Infernal Affairs. <laughs> With what is the most clunky intro of all time. Oh, uh, well, we were you for it, weren't we? How are you, mate? Yes, very fine, my young friend. How are you? I'm doing well. I've just started my two weeks leave off work. Must be nice to actually have holidays where you can rest and not have to watch non-stop movies. It's been good so far. <laughs> Speaking of that. So what did you do today? <laughs> well, I watched Infernal Affairs. I watched three movies. <laughs> uh, how dare you? Because it was two, all right? <laughs> but in saying that, I did just pass the 500 goal that I was supposed to a couple of months ago. So... That was somewhat satisfying, I guess. Yeah, well done on your distant uh, last place there. Very impressive from you. Coming second out of two people. Thanks for representing the podcast with such uh, esteem and dignity. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Don't. I'm going to ignore your sarcastic tones. It's not possible. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? What have you been up to for the last week? Well, not too much. Uh, I watched a lot of footy. There were preliminary finals in the AFL, which is super exciting. So... I watched both of them with How did great... our teams do throughout the year? Yeah, shit ass. Yeah. Shit ass. I can't even make fun of you because uh, yeah, it wasn't good either side here. No, it wasn't. You being the uh, Melbourne supporter and me being the St Kilda supporter. So Rough both year. terrible. Both terrible. But that's okay. Uh, we all have our time, just not our teams. Um, what else did I do? I've been, work's been real busy. I've interviewed 15 people in the last two days for jobs. Any standouts? Yeah, it's actually not a bad group that I interviewed. Like normally there's some... Shockers, some absolute shockers, and I only had one of them. So I think that's pretty good. I think I was interviewing someone uh, who got sent to me for like the second portion of their interview. And the first thing they said was, Yeah, I can't work Sundays and I need this. And I'm like, Yeah, that's it. You're gone. I just, it was just blanked out of my mind. Like, you're going to come in and the first thing you tell me is the things you cannot do. Like, thank you for your time. Move yeah. on. It is hard interviewing. Like, some of these people are 15, first job sort of deal. And I just want them to speak to me. Do they rock up in suits? No, I've seen some nice shirts over the last couple of days, though. That's what they want. You want the, the, nice, they want like, the shirt. Button-up to the top shirts. Yeah, they it's try like, to look presentable. Oh, yeah, it's quite funny sometimes. But, yeah, the ones that try, that's what you want. You want someone to try. Yeah, you don't want someone rocking up in, like, a, a beater and some thongs. No, <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah, you got this job going, do you, mate? <gasps> Not for you. No. All right, Hendo, what are we doing today? Well, after our breakdown of Infernal Affairs, we'll take a look at some reviews that you, the listeners, have left for us. We'll take a look at our question of the week, which is, what is your favourite Hong Kong movie? And it was... um, What a ridiculous topic. Who the hell chose this? I'm not sure if we know the difference, or if there even is a difference, between Hong Kong movies and Chinese movies. Now, do we want to talk about this briefly now? If you want to. So I had a certain film as my number one, and I realised on the, the picture that Hendo puts up that it wasn't there. And sometimes that's okay because there's so many movies that can go on. But a topic like this, where it's, you know, Hong Kong movies, there's not a heap that, you know, you and I know or the mm-hmm. general public would probably know. And for it not to be there, I thought it was quite odd. So I asked you a bit about, uh, what do you mean like Hong Kong? Isn't that just China? 
And you were like, no, apparently there's a big difference. Apparently there is. Hong Kong is like this separate part of China. When you look up Hong Kong film lists, there are certain films which I would assume are Hong Kong films aren't even on there. But then you look at Chinese film lists and it's there. And it's so confusing. So, like, is I don't even know if there is a difference, to be honest. Is there a difference? Well, I Hong hope Kong? so because I've changed my list for you. <laughs> Yes, but we'll get to that later on, as well as the results of last week's Pod v Pod movie draft between us and Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast. And as we love to talk about results, we're going to take a look at the best 1990s film tournament, Final Eight. And these were some ridiculously close matches. Yeah, I remember you sent me a message at one point and three of the four matches was locked at 50%. It was insane. I couldn't believe- That is ridiculous. They were that close. (laughs) And then after all that's been said and done, it's Dean's turn to pick- Next time's movie, which is coming with a bit of an asterisk. It is. Which we'll get to later. We will. Give me the update. All right, Hendo, what's going on on the top 250? The biggest drop here is Toy Story 4, dropped another 20 spots down to 231. Drisham has gone down 10 spots to 114. Avengers Endgame has gone down five spots to number 45. It's really heading down steadily, isn't it? It is. It, it's it spent a little bit of time in that 30 for a while, and then over the last like three weeks, it's dropped by 15 spots. Has it come out on Blu-ray? Is it that has. Wise? Yeah, so all the non-diehard Marvel people are seeing it now, potentially, and are putting in ratings of normal people, not stupid Marvel heads like me well, and you. Well, Endgame has been the film that has got the most votes like for the last- Forever? For, yeah, since it came out. What I mean by that is every time I look at the last week's updates, that film has received more votes than anything else building up. So even again this week, well, it's, it's 6,000 votes. It's the highest grossing film of all time. And it still it. continues to get these votes, hence that's why it's going down so quickly now. Fair enough. But on the positive side of the spectrum here, Parasite has gone up five spots to 77. Mm, there you go. Yeah, so we're seeing that go higher and higher. Deservedly so. Absolutely. And if we look right down at the bottom... Out of the list now is Winter Sleep, and in its spot is Solaris at number 250. And that is your update for the Top 250 this week. All right, before we get into our breakdown of Infernal Affairs, please be aware we will be spoiling it from the get-go. So if you haven't seen it, I mean, you've probably seen The Departed, so you know exactly (laughs) what's going to happen. But putting it out there, if you haven't seen Infernal Affairs, be warned. And with that being said, let's get into Infernal Affairs. Ten years ago, two friends became the best cadets on the force. One went undercover to infiltrate the mob. The other is a highly respected officer, but his true loyalty belongs to the crime lord. Now, they're both out to uncover the traitor among them. They know he's dangerous. They know he's deadly. What they don't know is that they're hunting for each other. So, Infernal Affairs, released in 2002, starring Andy Lau, Tony Leung, Anthony Wong, and Eric Tsang. Written by Alan Mack and Felix Chong, with music by Chan Kwong Wing, composed by Ronald Ning, with cinematography by Lai Yu Fai and Andrew Lau, and also directed by Andrew Lau. And produced. So, this is all him. Who also went on to do... Infernal Affairs 2 and Infernal Affairs 3. Obviously has a passion for it. Yes. Now, the only other thing I recognise his name from is he was the cinematographer for Chunking Express. I haven't seen that. No, I haven't either, but I know it's one of those big Hong Kong films that is uh, occasionally showing up on the top 250. And yeah, one of those uh, blips on my list. Fair enough. 
So the English title, Infernal Affairs, is actually a play on words mixing Ming's job in the internal affairs with the infernal nature of both the characters' double lives. Yeah, and also that it's referencing Dante's Inferno. Now, Dante, this is a story about Dante's journey through hell. So I actually looked up, like Google search, what Inferno means. Mm -hmm. And it's basically, it talks a lot about hell and the characteristics of hell. So, yeah, it's... It, it's a good title. It's actually a really good title. Yeah, honestly, when I heard it the first time way back in the day, I thought that it was a typo. Like, don't you mean internal affairs? I didn't understand mm. it. Looked it up. Oh, okay, fair enough. So, like you mentioned in your quippy remark at the start, Martin Scorsese obviously remade this film as The Departed, and he claimed he was unaware that his film was a remake of this one when he was filming it. Now, I read that a couple of times, and it says of this. Maybe he knew it was a remake, he just didn't know of what. Maybe that just refers to it's not like he'd gone out and seen the film. Watch this film? Yeah, I know. Even saying those words, it's like there's so much. Like even script aside, yes. there's so much that's... Yeah. If he didn't know about this film and he still used those lines, I'm not coming home for supper tonight, father, all these things. But that's the script. Like you can argue the director may not know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought Scorsese wrote The Departed. No, it was actually written by someone else who you wouldn't have heard of. William Monaghan. Okay, then. Still, he I, has I, a little I, bit. I think that's ridiculous. There's no way he wouldn't have known. But has a runtime of 101 minutes with the tagline pulled out of the generic bin of loyalty, honour, betrayal. <laughs> nice. I like it. Actually, I saw that it was pushed as the film for like the Hong Kong submission into the Academy for Best Foreign Language Film that year. Didn't get it, though. Didn't get it. Hero did. As the Hong Kong one or the Chinese one? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> What's crazy, though, is that, like, I think of Hero as being a much more, like, obviously... Better. Better, yeah, a better film. Let's not beat around the bush. I think Hero is a much, much better film than this, but Infernal Affairs beat Hero at the Hong Kong Film Awards. I mean, does your love for The Departed put a taint on this? 100,000%. Yes. I wonder what it would be like... Not ever well, you, seeing The Departed and watching You can't this. imagine. I am trying to go into this review as this movie. I'm trying to push The Departed back. Mate, try as much as you can. Spoilers for my final thoughts. Every fucking scene in this movie, I'm just thinking, hey, I've seen this 20 times in The Departed better. Yes, but think of it. This was the film that came out before The Departed. Maybe if this came out after The, the Departed, that could be a valid reason. Like, yeah, but for just me, off the Departed. I, know, I know. I can't get past I that, know, though. It's not, it hard. it's not like a movie that I've seen a couple times and is good. The Departed is one of my all-time favourites that I've seen so many times. And don't get me wrong, The Departed is light years better than this film. Yes. But I'm, I'm trying to go into well, this review. Good luck to you. And as I did the first time I watched it, I tried to go into the film going, this is its own film. This came out before The Departed. Let's watch it for what it is. But this was released in Hong Kong on the 12th of December in 2002 with a budget of $6.4 million and grossed $8.8 million in Hong Kong, to which it was released in America in the 24th of September 2004 and made $169,000. I mean, I'm not surprised, really. Yeah, it, must, it, was, it was a limited release. It wasn't, like, it wasn't a wide-scope American thing where they, they bought it over and made less than two hundred grand. But it had made its money back already from its Hong Kong release. I mean, it must have. It was big in Hong Kong. Got nominated for 16 Hong Kong Film Awards. 16, Hendo. Well, big success. Great success. <laughs> but as usual, let's take a look at the history of Infernal Affairs on the top 250 list. This debuted into the list on the 30th of November in 2006. Quite low and has a fairly scattered change of uh, rankings as it's gone along over the last 12 years, peaking at its highest point of 195, to which it uh, dropped out quite recently during our uh, 
<laughs> choice of it. <laughs> My choice Your of it. Your choice. And then uh, picked its head back in right now where it currently sits at 244 with an 8.0 over 112,000 ratings. So high. Well, I'll put it to you. This came into the list end of 2006, the year The Departed came out. <laughs> that makes sense. Yes. So everyone's seen The Departed and they're like, what? That's a remake? And then they've gone and let's watched it. Let's go that. check this out. Hey, this is, this is good. Let's, uh, let's, let's, it's like Departed-esque. Let's give that a 10 as well. <laughs> this film reminds me of The Departed. 10 out of 10. <laughs> All right, Hendo, your pick, your plot summary. What do you got for us? A story between a mole in the police department and an undercover cop. Their objectives are the same, to find out who is the mole and who is the cop. Please tell me you're reading the departed synopsis, because that would be awesome. Do you think I am? No. Are you? Well, let me read the plot summary of the other film. An undercover cop and a mole in the police attempt to identify each other while infiltrating an Irish gang in South Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Gives it away, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. But enough about The Departed for a couple of seconds. (laughs) Let's talk about Infernal Affairs. All right, let's get into the opening credits. Now, personally, I think the opening credits for The Departed are... No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Can we we try and not say The Departed? The Departed. (laughs) All right, these credits, though. Loud operatic music. Mm -hmm. Music was okay. I didn't like the CGI-looking old temple stuff. I didn't. Hear, I wasn't even paying attention to that. I was worried about this uh, Nirvana Sutra verse 19 that popped up. It's like, okay, what are we talking about here? We find out it's uh, the worst of the eight hells is called the continuous hell. It has the meaning of continuous suffering, thus the name. What do you make of that as a starter? Well, obviously it's setting up the pain that, I mean, it's it's not even both characters. It's, it's Chen. The pain that Chen is going to endure throughout this film. He's really struggling with... Being a good guy at heart, being a police officer at heart, but outwardly being a violent criminal. Yeah, which he's been, which he's done for the entire duration of this film. Like we, the first, the only point we see him as a cop is for the first thirty seconds, where yeah. he gets recruited and he's a, and he's a he's a criminal. So yeah. the whole thing we know about him is that he is a criminal. Yeah, exactly. But the first thing we do see here is Hon Sam or Sam, Sam. as I'll call him, recruiting all these new young members into his gang, but they're actually all just going to infiltrate the cops. I thought he was going to, like, pick one. But no, all of them. Yep. He's making police officers. That's great. Oh, yeah, it's super smart from this guy. And he's talking about how they they were valet parking and the cops kept busting. I'm sorry, is valet parking a big crime issue in Hong Kong? If they're stealing the cars, it is. That's, I don't know. That's not what I got from it. It's like, here we were, trying to help park these cars for these rich people, <laughs> and we kept getting busted. I think he's infiltrating this they valet even, parking They crew. even killed six of our guys this year. It's like, they're just parking your car. <laughs> I honestly think he's getting these kids, recruiting them to infiltrate as a valet parker, find the best cars, and steal them. Bring them back to him. That makes no sense at all. What? I'm pretty sure valet I think it parking makes more sense is a massive you- crime epidemic I think it makes Hong more Kong. sense that they're stealing these cars than these people becoming legitimate valet parkers. <laughs> getting like, busted by cops. Uh, I just checked your credentials. You're working for Honsam? Get him! <laughs> But we quickly get into this uh, montage of the back and forth. Training scenes, yep. Of Lao and Chen as they infiltrate each area of uh, cop and robber, I guess. Yeah. And we see Chen getting expelled and looking behind very dramatically, walking alone down this 
you know, long path with the trees hanging overhead. It's all very um, over the top, I think. I thought you were going to say departed as don't say it. No, it's, hey, why would you say you that? You were about to. No, I wasn't. I thought you were. There was something I was going to say about that movie we won't mention, but I decided no, we've made an agreement. You've broken it already. It's like the first three minutes of the film. Oh, I can't help myself. All right, let's try again, okay? Okay. Give you a fresh Take start. Take two. Okay. I just found this whole montage too quick. I completely agree. We do not know these characters before they change, and I think we would have benefited from knowing them before they go to the other side. Yeah, this film could have used an extended runtime. I absolutely agree. An hour and a half is not enough to it's such, get to know these people. It's such a... I mean, it's, it's a complicated plot. Mm. There's a large number of characters, like key characters, and there's so much going on. Like, there's things, like there's subplots that are so quickly touched on and moved on from. I was like... They may as well not had them. I'm going to mention this, but I'm, I don't count this as breaking our rule, okay? Because I'm you not... You know what? You know, no, you know I'm when not, someone's so convincing, they say, I'm not going to break my rule by saying this, but I'm no, breaking reason, my rule. The reason is, is because I'm not talking about um, The Departed, comparing it to this film. What I'm going to say is one of the actors came out and said that they didn't like the movie The Departed because they felt like they crammed in Infernal Affairs 1, Infernal Affairs 2, and some of 3 into that one movie. They said they were cramming too much in that first film. But they didn't plan to make a Departed 2. Yeah, I know, but that's what it, that's what his, what he was saying. So I'm the reason I bring that up now is I'm thinking maybe is some of these touched on in the sequels. No uh, idea. Yeah, I know you don't know, and I'm not asking, I'm just... Sounded like you were. Rhetorical question, okay? Is some of this stuff that's so briefly touched on actually shown later in flashbacks and whatnot? But then again, were they doing this film with the intention of making a second one to, to continue on this story? Ooh, we'll have to discuss that when this movie ends. I think we have to look at this film as a standalone film. Oh, no, I agree. I, I agree completely. I'm just trying to defend it in some way, but I did feel so quick. Agree. What do you think of this interaction with them in the, uh, the speaker place? Yeah, really funny. I thought it was good that they yeah. actually have some sort of like connection here before all the shit goes down. This is really embarrassing. I didn't realize the other guy was Lao. I knew it was. I don't know. How? I knew it was Chen. I was so focused on Chen because I think I think Chen's really good in this film. I think he's easily the standout in this film for me. I also think Lao is really great in this too. Like Andy Lao, the actor. I've seen him in a couple other Hong Kong films. Hold on. His name, his acting name is Andy Lau, and his character's name is Lau. Yes. Okay. Is that a problem? Convenient, though. What, what, what do you want it to be something else? No, it's fine. <laughs> How did you not pick up that these were the two people? Did you? Please note the director is actually Andrew Lau. Yes, I know. <laughs> I, I saw that and I'm like, is it the same person? No, no, there's Andy and there's Andrew. I know there's a big difference. And then difference. there's the main character, Lau. Yes. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> Did it not seem odd to you then when they meet again after all the shit's gone down? They're like, how was that audio cable, you know, with the speakers? How'd you go with the speakers? Yeah, completely missed it. Wow. All right. Yeah. Now that you know this, that they've had some sort of brief interaction here, what do you think of it? I mean, personally, I don't think it adds anything for me. Like, I, I liked this scene before not knowing that the two of them were here, only thinking Chen was here. So do you like that because it, it shows Chen, you think he actually works for this place and it turns out he's just there overseeing, like, the money that the guy owes? Yeah, he's, like, extorting the yeah. place. I like it. I like it that Lau is also there because then you have some interaction between them. There's, It's not like them meeting for the first time at the end. It's like 
these two have some sort of stakes with each other. The speaker stakes. They've interacted. They know who they are. It's good, actually, that Chen is someone who, like, he's he's trying to help this person. Like, for real. Yeah. Like, don't buy these ones. They're too expensive here. Go here. He's a nice bloke. He is a nice bloke. Yeah, he's an undercover cop posing as a criminal. He has to be some sort of, uh, some level of uh, genuine niceness there. Yeah, I guess. Especially if he's just speaking to just some random bloke when no one else is around. Now we get the scene on top of the rooftop where Wong and Chen will often meet. Just with a, a quick uh, cut through of the original police chief's funeral, by the way. I thought that police chief was going to be involved a bit more. He's like, nope, he's dead. Nope, dead. We got the other guy. The guy who couldn't put his the right this socks on. This guy is such a dick. Wong? Yeah. He's all right. No, he's not. And what annoys me is he tries, he thinks he's, he would think he's a really nice guy. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, I gave my undercover guy a nice watch for his birthday, top bloke I am. But really, he's basically threatening him, saying, only like two people know who you really are. I could lose your file if I wanted. I was like, what a dick thing to say. He spent 10 years. Did you say what a dignity thing to say? (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Hey, that counts. But like Chen already is is struggling. Like he can't. He's we see him on the phone saying he can't take it anymore. He mentions he's been undercover for ten years. Ten years, and he's only been with this sand guy for the last three. You know what annoyed me, honestly, that the young versions were played by different actors. Yeah, that was weird. The transition in the montage was just so quick, like flash and it's them. Yeah, I honestly, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, he's been undercover. 20 years. Yeah. Like, if it's only 10, you can get away with the same actors. No one changes their appearance that much in 10 years. Yeah, no, they don't. Like, 10 years between a 20 and 30-year-old isn't that much. Yeah, but like you said, good old Wong gives him a new watch. It's got a camera in the in the lens, though, for him. No, it doesn't. No, no, no. See, you miss this. Chen thinks it does. He's like, oh, here's this um, Morse code tracker thing, and then here's a watch. And he's like, oh, is there a pinhole camera or something? He's like, no, it was, it was your birthday, wasn't it? Oh, I thought it was both. No, no, oh, so no, no. no, no. So he's, he's genuinely giving him a watch. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there's no... What a top bloke. Well, Good no. on you, He's awesome. Give him his, no, give him his no. undercover guy a watch. He's a real dick. <laughs> he's like, maybe I'll lose the file and you can stay with the triads. No, you got him a watch. It makes up for everything. But here's our first uh, scene with Lau as he speaks to this uh, crook, I guess, posing as the lawyer. It's hard. I know it's hard. I know it's, what you're, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, but no, he goes in, pretends to be the lawyer. Did you call home? And he basically prompts this guy. He gets his phone out under the table so that, I know, it's sort of like he's hiding from the cameras, but then he goes out and he's like, all right, I, I did this call. Let's track that number now. So I think that's just for show from the guy so that he doesn't think he's being watched. He, he gets him to warn his brother Ho. That was that what his brother Ho to get out of the place, but mm. then uses that phone as a tracker. So he gets yep. the best of both worlds. Yeah. Smart ass. But they get the big sting going here between Sam and his so crew. That's a long sting. For a short movie, this is a quite a long scene. Well, it does give that sort of tension that we haven't seen before with both of them trying to connect with the other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, like, I do. I do. Because you've got the. the um, you've got police. Lau trying to communicate with Sam yeah. while not using mobile phones by sending like radio signals to him. You've got Chen who's tapping on his Morse code to Wong at the same time. And everyone's trying to figure out what is going on. Like, how and are these other people getting this information? Well, Wong says to the cops, he's like, oh, we've, we can't do anything until my mole in there gives us the all clear that this is happening or whatever. So he's telling everyone that he has a mole with him. 
What about this other cop though? When that when Wong says let's switch radio frequencies, this cop just brazenly just walks up, answers his phone's like, yeah, we're on different radio signals. Here's the new one. He's like, shut the hell up and put the phone down. Yeah. That was that was the guy at the end. He was genuinely calling Sam. <laughs> like, what is that? That's, that's terrible. <laughs> There's a reason we're not following him as the main character. Which is funny because later on he says, I didn't want them to know how smart I was. You're clearly not that smart, mate. Well, he's acting super dumb. <laughs> it worked. He got the frequency through, didn't he? <laughs> I like that Chen tries the drugs here. That was a good scene where he breaks open the cigar, has a little snort. He's like, oh, AA plus plus. Yep, the best of the best. I mean, he's obviously had to have done that a lot over his over the last 10 years. Yeah, I'm sure doing a, a bit of uh, coke is is not even in the top 10 of things he's had to do. Exactly. But it all goes to shit, obviously. Too many people are communicating with everyone and they... Yeah, they dump all the all the coke in the ocean. They've got to get rid of it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But <laughs> Sam just walks up to Chen and smashes his cast on the table. Yeah, just smashes open. Nothing in there though. Nope. Because luckily that Morse code sender was outside of the window. Hmm. It was good there. I like how Lau also picked up that Wong was doing the Morse code with the clicking on his finger behind his back. Hmm. Did manage to send out that big bulk text to everyone in the vicinity. I thought that was. Risky, but it worked. Hmm. What do you think of the uh, interaction with everyone at the cop shop here? Just measuring dicks, basically, between Wong and Sam. Very weird. So, now that I know that Chen and Lau have already met, was there any interaction between the two here? Was there any looks of acknowledgement? I don't think so. It's kind of odd that there's not a glance or anything shown. Like, hey, I remember you. You sold me a speaker. I mean, is that really the big thing they're worried about here right now? you got Wong and Sam talking about, we're going to get you, you're going to die. And they're like, hey, you sold me a speaker the other day. <laughs> it's weird because both of them are openly saying, like, we have a mole in inside your organisation. You think planting a mole in us will do us in, says Sam? And it's like, yeah, they know. And same here, says Wong. So they're being quite open with this. Yeah, but... They're both on the same level here. They neither of them know who and it then is. Yeah, and then both men slowly look at all their team. They're yeah. like, oh, which one of you is is it? It's shocking. Imagine working in that environment. Oh, it'd be painful. But like like you said, oh Wong, he doesn't give a shit. He he just he's toying with Sam. I gotta say, I've heard a lot of analogies and stories that, you know, sound like they mean one thing, but really they mean another. This has got to be one of the worst. This kidney transplant card story that Sam t- tells Wong in this room. It's just so obvious, like, there's no subtlety to it at all. I was like, oh, God, come on, do better. Maybe with the time frame they have for this film, they just need to make it so in your face. I mean, if they're brushing through these montages at the start, there's no time for subtlety with this film. But now we're introduced to Lau's girlfriend, Mary. Who? Mary. Is that a name? You really didn't know? Did not know. Yeah, Mary. She may as well not have been in this film. Indeed. Mary as played by Sammy Cheng. And I say that like this runtime being extended could have served a bit more of a relationship here between these two. Yeah, I think both Mary and Dr. Lee Sumye should have been more fleshed out, the psychiatrist. But it's here where Sam calls Lau and says, you've got to find them all. You know, enough's enough already. So Lau says, all right, give me everything you've got on all you guys yeah, over there. Yeah, write it all down and bring it to me and I'll look into it. Oh, one thing I really didn't like about this movie was Mary's book that she's writing. And again, did this, not need to be there. Could have used it for something else. It's just too obvious. There's no subtext to it. It is literally, literally, her saying, "Oh, I'm writing this book. There's this character. Uh, they don't know who the real, um, who yeah. the real you is anymore." And I'm just like, 
Come on. That's two on the nose. And they do it like another time at least where they do the same thing. She's Especially like, later on when they talk about yeah. that same character. It's like, I'm not sure if he's good or bad. Yeah. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> like, Come on. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> but as we mentioned, the, all the crooks here are writing down their details and Chen gives them a hand writing down bodyguard on one of the envelopes, which uh, will obviously come back to help him out later on. Yeah, for sure it will. But you could argue had he not done that, his life would have actually been a lot longer. Yes. So, I, I mean, I really, this is what is this is what killed him. I think Lau, by the end, is fully prepared to live his life as an actual police officer, but because Chen finds this envelope and realises that Lau was a mole, Lau has to act. Looking further ahead to that scene, do you think there was any way that Chen could have just shrugged that off? No, I absolutely don't. He shouldn't have done what he did. Like, he shouldn't have left. It's true. He should have just covered it back up and sat there and played cool and then tried to work out how he can prove it. Yeah. It's, it's the leaving that did it in for him. Oh, yeah. But now we get to this flashback of Chen at the psychiatrist's office. What do you think of the flashbacks in this I film? did not realise it was a flashback until the end when she has a daughter. I think all the flashbacks Did you realise this, this film, was a flashback? I hated the flashbacks in this film. Did you realise this was a flashback when you saw it? Yes. How? Anything where they show that flash and it goes black and white, it's a flashback, man, I'm telling you. Was it black and white? I'm pretty sure it was black and white. I don't think it was because he was sitting on a brown chair. Well, if it wasn't black and white, I still thought it was a flashback. Okay. Um, so you didn't like any of the flashbacks? No, especially when it gets to later on, which I'll get to. There are certain points where it doesn't trust its audience. There are things in the well, flashbacks. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, so much of this is so... There's no subtlety to this film. It's just hitting you over the head with what the writers and directors want you to know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, those flash- I'll get to those flashbacks later on when they, they come up, but... Yeah, this, this, this session here where he's sleeping, then he comes out and he says that it's mandatory therapy sessions because he's obviously assaulted people, right? Yeah. That's what this is because he's... Assaults everyone, apparently. But, like, I was thinking, all right, they're mandatory, so he has to spend time there, so he just spends it sleeping, right? That's mm. fine. But then he acts like he wants to stay. Because he's into her. Why would you sleep then? And why does he tell her he's a cop? There's no build-up to that. We don't see them in a relationship or forming a relationship. That's what I'm trying to say. There's not enough time dedicated to developing these relationships That's between them. That's what I'm saying. I said it too. I said it at the start of this breakdown. All right, so don't claim. Oh, so like that means I can't. I can't say. I have to be the opposite of you. Yeah, just because yeah, you said it's it. The that way means, you're oh, saying it. The, the, the way things. you're saying it is like, no, that's what I said. And it's like you only said it because I gave you that nugget what? of intelligence. <laughs> you're only saying this because I'd already said it. Yes, and you just want to agree with me. But uh, yeah, tells her he's a cop. Am I a good guy or a bad guy? Like, why? We don't care about this psychiatrist, and we don't know why he's in this position where he feels like he is going to benefit or needs to tell her. It's Maybe he's just odd. saying it because he knows she's probably not going to believe him and he just wants to try and vent that to someone else. Whether she says it's the truth or not, him openly saying, I'm a cop, can give him some relief of this tension that's been building up inside of him. Mm. But now we get Lau having a hit of golf with the boss, Wong. Gets told he's been promoted to internal affairs to try and find the mole. That's it. Yep, moving on. Sam and Lau meet at the uh, cinema. To pass off the documents. Very quick scene. Super quick. Got Chen following him. Not even a porn cinema. Why does it need to be a porn cinema? I just thought that someone like Sam would go to a porn cinema. Really? Yeah. All right. 
I don't know why you would have thought that. Mm. But no, we've got Chen sitting in the background as well. And they do this this following bit where Chen follows Lao, obviously. Yeah. Don't, doesn't get a look at his face, though. It didn't work for me. It was very... Very um choppy. I thought it didn't... Choppy. It was a long scene that didn't have any real tension it didn't, build up. Yeah, tension. There's no tension. It didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Like, you think something's going to happen here. But no, it's, there's not even a point where there could be some sort of... um change in the tone i guess it's like he follows him but he leaves and it's moving on but he gets back to sam and he tells him you know we're gonna get some new guys coming in so you just you take take some time you're all right we got we got other people sorting this out now yeah this is this is weird and sam says he trusts chen the most why he's been with him for three years now man like that's not long it's like not. it's not a long time <laughs> especially when you hear from the other guy who dies later on that he was he's been with Sam for like 10 years. Mm. But this is where we have a montage, I guess, of uh, Lau and internal affairs. He starts to go through all the, the documents and he starts to learn Morse code, learning all the things he can to try and figure out who this mole is. Because he's really not looking for the mole in the cops. He's looking for the mole in well, the crooks. Obviously. It'd be a quick job if he was looking for the mole well, this in the fir- cops. This, this, because it's him. Well, Hendo. this film really spoon-feed you with some of the stuff, so I figured I'd do the same thing here. We have a quick scene here of Chen sleeping with the, the shrink. Yeah, so that must be a flashback. Yeah, because he didn't have a goatee in that scene, so it must have been, It definitely must have been a flashback. And those those flashbacks to this story with the with the woman and the kid are. So I mean, it's su- super weird. Hold on, but no, when he sees a woman with the kid, that's not a flashback. I know, but I think they have to show some of these flashbacks with this woman. So because even when you see him with the woman and the kid, and she's like, "I'm," you know, "Oh, she's five years old," and then he walks off. She's like, "No, no, I'm six. Is that not is that to cover up the fact that it could be his kid? Oh no, question. It's his yeah. kid. That's the whole so I thing. Think they, I think these flashbacks of him with this woman. That's what that's show, trying to show. Yeah, I know that. Do you're you? doing it again, where you're talking to no, me like I don't, I don't I, know. I think you, I think I'm telling you some new information here. No, no, it's definitely definitely on you, and definitely it's his kid. Again, it's incredibly super obvious that it is his kid, like you said, and like I'm saying as well. <sighs> okay. I'm done with this. What? Just because you say something and I can't say the same thing back? You... Ah, I'm not... (laughs) You said it like you were telling me something I didn't know. I'm like, I'm telling you. Can you blame me though? You do have a lot of Oh, no, I I know this. I'm telling you this. I'm like, fuck off. All right, let's move on. So we're getting to a bit where Wong and Chen are going to meet in this building, as they always do. Now, Lau calls Sam and all of Sam's guys go into this building. So these two... Lau has told his his cops to start to follow Wong. Yeah, like to he, follow Wong. Yeah, he's the one because he knows be Wong knows who the mole is and will meet him at some yeah. point, which is a great strategy, obviously. But here we get the elevator. It actually skips the fourth floor. It goes from three to five to six. And there's two points in this movie actually focuses on that three skip four to five. Now, I did a brief stint of reading, aka one paragraph, which says that the number four is almost identical to the symbol in Chinese for death. So it's considered bad luck, much like I believe the US don't have 13th floors and stuff. Yeah, is that, exactly. Is that, that a myth? No, no, that's true. That's true. Okay. Actually, I think it's, I think that's France, to be honest, that actually, that literally do not have a 13th floor on, in any of their buildings. Do people not realise that if you don't have a 13th floor, then the 14th is actually the 13th floor? No, but if you don't label it as the 13th floor, that's fine. <laughs> you mentioned the lack of number four with the elevator. There is the other point where Wong is actually on the fourth floor in the stairwell. You see the number four behind him. Again, symbolising here that death is right there for him. Exactly. And poor Wong, he almost gets away. This is my... Excellent! You son of a bitch. Excellent! 
this scene by far had the most tension for me because I, I, I didn't know how this was going to go. Like, you know, I know well, how it could have gone, but seeing him actually, what I thought was successfully fake them out, yeah. walk onto the elevator and the doors, they could not be more yeah. almost closed <laughs> exactly. before that hand pops in. And you're like, oh, no. It's like the fingers get in at the exact width that the fingers were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you don't you don't see what happens. Like they grab no. him and it takes a fair while before you see what happens. You see Wong get in the taxi. He drives around to the front. He gets out and he goes to go back inside and then bang, he lands on that car directly behind him. Poor Wong. And it's, it's played so sad. Like this scene, the music, it's soft piano. You get flashbacks. You get the absolute works trying to like... Make re- it so sad. Yeah. Now you see this flashback... I thought was okay because it's showing the relationship between these two and this is like his only friend he's had in the last 10 years the guy he can he can actually speak to as a cop Himself. as his real per- yeah. as a real person yes so these flashbacks to this relationship they had I I really liked it fair enough but now we're introduced well not introduced but now we get Kyung's big big moment to shine yeah so Kyung is the fella who's driving Chen around at he's this been point he's speaking about how you can tell who's a cop and who's not a cop based yeah. on what they do yeah which is funny because does he does he know he's a cop? At this, does who know? Does Kyung know that Chen is a cop? Yeah. Does he ever know he's a cop, or does he die thinking that he isn't? And he just gives information about w- what he thinks cops do when they're undercover. I think it's unclear in this film. Yeah, because he never he never says to him, "I know you're a cop." He says to him, "I Sam told me anyone who doesn't show up at this place is a cop. You want to go to the masseuse? I didn't want to tell him because I didn't want you to get in trouble. Like, is he doing that because he knows he's a cop, or he just because this guy wants to go to the masseuse? He just wants to let him go and do that. Unclear in this film. I think he doesn't think he's a cop. Okay, because you can clearly see throughout this, he is wrong in some of these things about being a cop. He's like when they're sitting there watching in one of these scenes earlier, he goes, "Look, he's a cop." He's a cop. He's a cop. He points to like 20 people and they're like, oh, mate, they're not all cops. They do look like cops, though. They do. They keep looking at him. They are all shifty as fuck. Yeah. I actually like that bit. (laughs) (laughs) But it's here we learn that we got the cops talking about Wong's death and that the file that has the information on who the mole is is locked. Like no one can get to it except Wong. So there's not much they can do. But Lau gets the idea of, well, obviously he's called Chen from his phone. Let's use that. So he does. He does an even more brilliant idea of using the Morse code on the tap, which is great. Yeah. Really pays off to show him earlier learning Morse code. And we do hear on the news here that Kyung was an undercover cop, so this is where Chen finds that information out. Now, did the cops set that up to clear Chen from Sam? If they're out looking for an undercover cop and then they show on the news, this guy was an undercover cop, like, well, he was the guy. I don't know how to answer that. Because there was another film that's somewhat similar to this where I had the same idea when that film does the same thing. I can tell you 100% that is not happening in the other film. Was that guy an actual cop? Yes. He says, I called these people to come to... Sorry, in The Departed. He says, I called these people... No, in case we're confusing people. I called people to come to the thing... I didn't call you. You were there anyway. He is He is saying, I know you're a cop. And they have a conversation as he's dying. He's like, holds him close. He's like, you know, like, I, why, I knew. Why didn't I tell them? Why didn't I tell them? Yeah. So All don't right. try and say in The Departed he's not a cop. Stop saying that word. Okay, I can't help it. But in this film, I can see, I actually don't think that's a bad idea from you. It's bound to happen eventually. But it's, uh. hard to, it's hard to look at this without the view that you already know from the identical remake. Stop it. <laughs> That he is a cop. So Chen helps them set up this big sting operation. Yeah, this was different. It works pretty effectively this time. 
because Lao is kind of on the right side now. He's not helping Sam with this. Mm. Like he wants to go straight here. He want yeah, he, he flat out just kills Sam. Is that based off the conversation they have on the phone prior? Which one? After Wong has died, Lau and Sam have a conversation on on the phone, and I believe Sam just says things like, you go do what you got to do. We're fine. You stay where you are. I mean, very well could be. I think that Sam's kind of just let Lau, let him go, do what he wants. Why? Why would he do that now? No, no. He's like treating him like he's not, you know, a big part of this. He's like, eh, you know, we we just continue. And Lau's like, well, no, I'm going to go straight now. Why not? I can be the big guy here. Because they're all, all the cops hate Lau right now for what he did. Which, it's... Yeah, I guess, I guess. He has directly led to Wong's death, so I can understand that. But at the end of the day, like, he's he's close. Like, he's, you know, like, you can understand why Lau's doing this for Lau. What do you think of the end of their relationship? How he just walks out and just, bang, he's down. I mean, was it set up enough that Lau would betray no, Sam? No, it wasn't set up enough. I don't fully understand his reasoning here. I think it is because he wants to go straight. He has a good opportunity to be the one in charge as a policeman now, he's got a good relationship going on with his girlfriend. What's there? What's the benefit to become to still staying as an he, undercover cause crook? Because he is a crook. Like that's who he is at heart. But he's been like this for ten years, and this is probably what. But why now? Why now that everyone hates him? Is he like because he can get on everyone's good side? He can be the guy that killed Sam. Yeah, but he could have done that a hundred times before. But not as the guy in charge. Now that Wong's out of the picture... Yeah, I guess he's taken up that mantle, isn't he? It's still wonky. I wish there was more to it. It is wonky. I see what you did there. <laughs> it took me a minute. <laughs> oh, did it? <laughs> I thought you were just going to make fun of the way I said it. Like, no, no, it's, that's, it's, it's pretty good. But this is where Lau and Chen meet up. Again. For the, for the, again, yeah, Not the first time. No, there. definitely not the first time. Chen tells him he's been undercover for a full 10 years. Yep. And I think Lau is genuine here when he's like, man, you de- you deserve a medal. You are, you've done, you're the one that deserves the applause yeah. for doing this. But as we said before, it's here where he sees the- The envelope with the yep. bodyguard yep. scribbled out. Yep. And, you know, we've already said that. He, he probably does the, the worst thing he can do, run out. Yep. And then Lau deletes his file. And that's it. And that's it. Which he had to do. Of course. He was always going to do that. And now we get another therapy session flashback. Therapist reads a note. Remember my secret. Goodbye. Is this a flashback? I thought this happened at the time. Because he's got nowhere to go, he asked to stay with her. I, I don't know. I think this one was in the real time. Was it? Yeah. I, don't, I think there's an issue that we don't know if something's a flashback or not. I really do. Like, we are semi-cluey people watching this closely to discuss at length. And we're still unsure if this is a fucking flashback. I, I never thought this was a flashback. I honestly thought the flashbacks were the black and white scenes. Okay. Oh, speaking of the black and white flashbacks, here's the one I didn't like. When Chen sees the envelope and you flash back to when he wrote it. <laughs> that That is not, you know, giving yeah. your audience some respect. That happened half an hour ago. <laughs> How could you have forgotten that? Yeah, no, I agree. And it was so made a big point of. Yes. It wasn't it like did- it was to the side, oh, you just scribbled on the envelope. They're like, no, 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 you've spelt this wrong. Here, it should be like this, full close-up of him scribbling, writing correct. You didn't need to flash back to that. Anytime where you're flashing back to something that's happened in the movie that you've seen, it's not treating your audience with any respect. You're treating them like they can't follow it. They're not paying attention. Are you saying that any time a movie flashes back to a scene we've already seen, that they're not treating the audience Something's with respect? Something so blatantly that, obvious as is this. Is that what you just said? 
Well, what, what example are you going to throw on my face now? I mean, now? just basic one, Come like on. usual suspects flashbacks. That is so completely different because that is changing the way that you're thinking about something. This is so the same thing. It, nothing changes here. You know what has happened. Don't give usual suspects where we're I'm talking just, about. I'm a, just you said a sentence. Where I'm just we're proving that you're talking your about is a wrong. character who was using false information throughout the whole film and then seeing it this way in a different light. I'm merely saying that what you said was wrong. Yeah, and I've provided a perfect example, and now you're getting angry like, oh, obviously I don't mean that. Well, then don't make outlandish comments that just cover we all every say- film. Like every time a director shows you a flashback, it just treats the audience with such disdain, such disrespect. I'm like, what about this great example? Oh, well, obviously I didn't mean that one. When you're showing a scene that has been shown in the film already in the exact same tone and the way you're presenting it, it is treating your audience like an idiot. You've showed me an example of something where it has changed the way you completely see something. Don't start going on about, oh, you're such a dickhead for saying such a broad statement when you're not even comparing the same thing I'm saying. I'm telling you in a generic sense where they're showing the same very scene, generic. the very same scene in the same context, and you throw out, what about this other great movie where they're showing a flashback in a completely different context that has nothing to do with the new way you're seeing it? Agreed. Shut the hell up, mate. No, because you just repeated just what you arguing, said the first time. You're just arguing I, for argument's sake now. I hope you're not calling me disingenuous, Endo. <laughs> How about you just go ahead and depart from this argument, all right? <laughs> Okay, but now we get Lau and Mary, and Mary does not look happy, does she, Henry? No, she does not. She's having trouble with her book, by the way. Of course. Uh, she can't finish it because she just doesn't know if he's good or bad. Is it, is it a Fuck fiction? Is it fiction? Off. Non-fiction? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he hears on the recording that he's, he's got him. They get on the phone. We're going to meet up. And they meet up on the rooftop here. Yeah, and Chen sneaks up on him from nowhere. How? I have no idea. Did you think the same thing? Yeah. It's just like... He's on a rooftop with it's, nothing in yep, sight yep. and then gun to the head. Yep. What? Yep. There wasn't even something to hide behind. Nope. But Lao, Lao's pleading with him like, oh, let's turn over a new leaf. Like, that is never going to happen. Let's him get handcuffed. Like, really, there really wasn't much fight here. No. Well, he's got a gun to his head. He knows that if he, like, exactly what happens. He's got a whole ton of cops who are on his side. He's going to take him down and there's going to be people that help him out. And sure enough, his other cop mate is up there to help him out. And they didn't even get in the elevator. What do you think of this? Backing it, into the elevator, the, the door opens, and, and it's black, and, and it goes to black. Didn't like it. And then it goes black and white, and you see their reactions. Yeah, I thought it was way too artistic. Like, it was really trying to do something new and different. And that's fine in some instances. Like, it really is. Mm. But what it did was just take away the huge shock of this moment. Especially when they show it again straight after. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it goes black and white and very soppy music, like you're trying to get the genuine reactions from Lau and this random yeah. cop. Like That's not the tone you should be going for here. It'd be much more effective if it just happens. Yep. I no, didn't I like it, though, how it wasn't a gunshot from inside the elevator, like you're expecting someone in the elevator to shoot him. No, no, the other guy takes a shot at him because he knows this is the perfect time to go for it. But this is where he reveals... I'm on part. I'm with Sam as well. You know, we we, we went together yeah, in the, let's, the you academy. Know, let's stick together now, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But Lao, he's not stupid. As they're going down, lots of gunshots. Yep, lots of gunshots. Yep, too many, Hendo. Well, unless he's trying to, he, he's obviously put a lot, uh, a couple more bullets into Chen as well to make it look like a gunfight between those two. And sure enough, he comes out. He's got the badge out forward. Presents himself as a cop. See the two dead bodies. He gets away with it legitimately gets away with this. He does, doesn't he? They show six months later, they they, they find some uh, document or something that shows that Chen was actually a cop 
So he gets buried next to Wong. There's this big police funeral service. But Mary still knows. Mary knows. I like how he does mention to her, though, oh, I know. I'm a, I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. Fade to black. What? <laughs> Bit of a lackluster ending. Yeah. They definitely could have done something a little better than this. Could have. Maybe they do eventually. If only there was some, like, real subtle, some sort of rat. No, no, stop it. Just <laughs> stop it. Let's do this one. Any last words? What's your final thoughts on Infernal Affairs, mate? Okay, so I know we said we need to judge it on its own merits, but as I said, I can't. It's hard to watch a film that is so close to another film that does it better in every single way. It is way too short, this film. This plot is complicated. It's a great plot, a plot that you can flesh out. You can involve a lot of characters in ways that are meaningful. Like this really has such few characters that you get any sense of who they are. Like outside the main two, it's pretty bloody thin. The whole therapist or psychiatrist plot, terrible. Did not fit this film at all. Didn't like it. The girlfriend, as we said, Mary, she's okay, but this whole blatant telling us what's going on with her book is so boring and insulting. I have no idea why this film is so highly regarded. It gets a two and a half from me. Okay. What about you, Hendo? This is the second time I've seen this film. Now, looking back on my letterbox ranking the first time I saw it was a four stars. Now, it's absolutely not four stars, okay? I think I was using The Departed to cloud my judgment, I guess. I think I've been able to separate The Departed from this film a bit more than you. I've gone into this thinking that this is its own film and the film and the story that they're showing is good. I like the performances from Andy Lau and Tony Leung. Their characters are very good. Yes, it's short and it breezes through really quick and that is the error. They need to extend this and give these characters more of an opportunity to be fleshed out. You need to extend those characters that they're their partners. You need to Get more grounded relationships between them. There is good moments of tension in this film. I enjoyed that part. What this film needed, it did get polished with a fantastic director, Martin Scorsese. He found this film, and even though he said he didn't know what film it was, you know he did, and he made it his own. He made it a Scorsese classic, and that's fine. Departed is amazing. This film is good. I still like this film. It's three stars for me. Fair enough. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where's this going to sit on your rankings? All right, well, let's go right to the very, very bottom of this list, shall we, Hendo? So this will be our 46th film we've done. Almost a <laughs> almost a fifth of the way there, I should say, Hendo. That's true. Okay, it is better than The Seventh Seal. It is definitely better than Ben-Hur. Now it comes to Sing in the Rain, and it's better than Sing in the Rain. Next up is Yo Jimbo. And I liked it better than you, Jimbo. Okay. So now we're at Cool Hand Luke, and that's where it's going to stop. Cool Hand Luke's better? Cool Hand Luke gets three stars from me. This gets two and a half, so it stops here. Simple logic. So this will be my new number 42 on my list. Okie dokie. What about you, Hendo? All right, why don't we start at the number 43 spot against A Beautiful Mind, and I think it's better than that. I also think it's better than Sherlock Jr., and that's it. I think that Wild Tales is better than Infernal Affairs. So Infernal Affairs is my new number, 42 out of 46. All right, mate, it's time for this week's podcast promo shout-out, and it is from our good buddies, Alex and Julio at The Contrarians. Yeah, obviously we're big fans of The Contrarians. Julio especially contributes a lot to the uh, 
to the podcast with his reviews and thoughts on Twitter. So And his awesome patronage. Of course. Yeah, fantastic premise for a show where they basically say the opposite of what the general population thinks. So it's good for it's good for a listen, it's good for a laugh. Check it out. We'll play their promo now and we'll see you on the other side. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitch at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle? The towering 93%. Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Hey listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there and there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Amazing! And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can follow us on Twitter at Twitter com slash IMDB Journey, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash IMDB Journey, our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date. I am at letterbox.com slash Dino underscore J88. Really rolls off the tongue. And you can find Hendo at letterbox.com slash Hendo. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. And like we've said, if you screenshot your review and DM us on Twitter or Facebook, we'll send you out some sweet merch. Or if you're really loving the content and are looking for more, why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, breaking down films not on a top 250 list. Yeah, we've actually got over 50 episodes on there now. We've gone through some notable directors' filmographies, such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright, and even Quentin Tarantino. That's right. There's also tons of other benefits over there. Early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put up on the regular yeah exactly you can also shape the show the way you want it to be by telling us what films you would like us to break down so what's coming up this week mate well dean it's another patron requested review this week and it's from brother shane and he has selected the assassination of richard nixon yeah a bit of a a small film even though it's got the likes of like sean penn Naomi watts in it I don't know if I've seen it, so it'll be interesting to go back and have a look at it. I know I haven't seen it, so it's going to be a new watch for me, and it should be should be an interesting one, as it always is from Brother Shane. Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash imdbjourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. All right, mate, it's time for... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is, and this oh. could be it. Oh. And we don't have many reviews this week. Let's have a look over at our Patreon for our awesome, awesome patrons. Here's one from Chris Beardsall. This is pretty good, but if I'm being honest, most of the time I was wishing I was watching The Departed instead. Yeah, right there with you. And that's the only review except for... Shane! Prior to this being selected for the podcast, I had no intention of ever watching this movie. As The Departed, its remake, is one of my all-time favourite movies, I never had any desire to strip that movie back and see what occurred in the previous rendition. 
My feeling was that it could lessen The Departed's prestige. Now that I have seen Infernal Affairs, I'm a little stunned how Scorsese was able to create such a masterpiece off the back of what is, for the most part, such a mediocre affair. Mediocre. Without seeing The Departed prior to this, I would be lost in Infernal Affairs. For the first half of the film, I struggled to figure out who was who and what they were doing. Not enough development is put into the main characters, and the way the film sets up the premise of putting moles here and there feels convoluted. I found a lot of the film unrealistic and hard to understand. In the second half, though, things do pick up. By this point, I figured out who was Leo and who was Damon between every scene. A lot of the scenes that do come are fleshed out a lot better in The Departed. Things just make a lot more sense in that movie. Overall, I don't think this film is terrible, but it's not really worth watching, and it didn't do anything for me. Two and a half stars from Shane. Fair enough. Thank you very much, Shane, for that review. Thanks, Shane. All right, Dean, let's get into... That's my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you, what is your favourite Hong Kong film? Now let's take a look at some responses for films that weren't either of our number one picks. First one here on Twitter from The Cinema Guys. Hard Boiled. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen a lot of these films that are coming up, but there's a lot of them that I really want to. I've heard good things about some of these. So you haven't seen it either? Yeah, that's just a, that was just a long response to saying that I have not seen these. From Action Maniac, The Killer. Again, haven't I re- seen it. really want to see it. I haven't seen it. Pirate Scott says Drunken Master. I haven't seen it. I have seen it. <laughs> have you? I've seen it. Is it good? I'll leave my thoughts for later. Okay. From Interpreting the Stars, I'm going with Ip Man. I've seen that. Haven't seen it. Do you have a top five? I struggled. (laughs) (laughs) Not until I watched Infernal Affairs. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Chewbacca's Beard says, It's Fist of Fury for me. It was my first Bruce Lee movie and holds a dear place. But for the life of me, I can't figure out why he wore white to a funeral. I can't answer that because I haven't seen it. From Ronnie Castle, The Killer. P77 also says The Killer. Three three times for The Killer here. Should, should watch this Killer movie. Do you know anything about it? It's about a killer, Hendo. It's a, I think it's a John Woo film starring Chow Yun-Fat. If I'm going to watch a John Woo film, I'm going to watch you hard, haven't seen? hard Boiled. I think I think that's a good back-to-back, Hard Boiled and The Killer. From Jackie, the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. It's cheesy, but awesome. Yvonne Itar says Infernal Affairs. Joseph Dudley says Chung King Express. Yep, see, so haven't seen it. Got to see it. LJ Hunman says A Better Tomorrow Two. Haven't seen it or the first one. Ray Hughes says Ah, film I have seen, Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah, I haven't seen it. That's a lot of nuts. That's Kung Pao, you idiot. Oh my god, what is Kung Fu Hustle then? It's a Stephen Chow weird comedy kung fu action film. Oh. Oh dear. Guess what? I have not seen five Hong Kong films. I if, th- if you got Kung Pao on your list, I will accept it because oh. it is like semi, semi Hong Kong. Is it? It's got <laughs> it's got some snippets of a Hong Kong film in it. Okay, sure. Spoiler alert says hard boiled for me, hands down. Jason Phelps says Legend of the Drunken Master. Ryan DeSantecanti says In the Mood for Love. I haven't seen it. Another film I need to see. Jen Felsk says the flying guillotine. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. This is this is just embarrassing for us now. Forgotten Films says Shaolin Soccer. I haven't seen it. I have seen that. Spoiler alert, that will not be making my list. Because <laughs> that film is terrible. Oh wow. Alright, next up from Patron Hayden Gerloff, Tiger on the Beat. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. <laughs> and our last one here on Patreon from Brian Grabianowski, hard boiled. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Thank you very much, everyone, for your responses, but let's get to our <laughs> 
basically top five Hong Kong films that we have seen. Slash top four and a half. <laughs> All right, kick it off with you, mate. What's your number five? Kung Fu... Kung Pao. That's the one into the fist. <laughs> half a Hong Kong film. What about you, Hendo? The aforementioned Infernal Affairs. Fair enough. That's my number four. Okay, then. Seems pretty rough that Infernal Affairs you gave two and a half is your number four. What do you give Kung Pao, then? I have no idea. I know I've seen it, though. It's not a lot of stories. <laughs> Man, that, that film, way back in the day, cracked me up. I remember the cow um, squirting milk in a Matrix style. You know, they're dodging it like Neo would. Yeah. Bullet so time. it was definitely made around that 2002-2003 era. Yep. Yep. Uh, my number four is Enter the Dragon, which is fine because like we've given Kung Pao, that is half Hong Kong, half American, which Enter the Dragon is also. My number three, oh, good thing for that. My number three <laughs> is Game of Death. Game of Death, hey? Fair enough. My number three is Ip Man. Good film. Should check it out. Ip is... It, no. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> holy Ip, shit. Did Ip, that just Ip, happen? Ip it? Ip is? No. <laughs> Ip is? Uh, my number two, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. My number two, Legend of the Drunken Master. What a, what a great Jackie Chan film that is. Is it better than Rush Hour 2, though? Did you just say that? Or did I just hear that? Sorry, are you more of a Rush Hour 3 fan? I'm more of a rush out of that cinema and not see any of those films. <laughs> My number one, Enter the Dragon. My number one, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I really want to watch that film again. It's a good film. I saw it when it came out and had no appreciation for it. Now, had we looked at this list a little bit more and in- incorporated the whole Chinese slash Hong Kong variety... My number one would have been Hero. Yeah, me too. Hero for sure. But because we didn't, that's our number ones. What a pathetic list. <laughs> it really just opened up our eyes to how much uh, Hong Kong we haven't seen and how much we need to. It's a good little experiment. So are you now going to act on this? I am. I honestly am. Oh, you are. I'm going to watch The Killer. I'm going to watch Hard Boiled. At least those two. Good. Chunking Express and In the Mood for Love. I know In the Mood for Love is on the top 250 right now. Chunking Express is making its you know back and forth off the list. We'll get to those eventually. What about you? Are you going to see any of these films? You've already forgotten them, haven't you? It's not Hard Killer or, better, not, or The Boiled. Better Tomorrow 2, was that one? Yeah, watch the first one first. No, no, no. I don't want to watch the weaker one. I want to watch the best one. You might be lost. Maybe you may not have a better tomorrow if you watch that one first. Oh my God, stop. (laughs) Okay, let's take a look at the competition. We've got six people who picked either Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and Enter the Dragon. So let's pop those names in a random name generator and see who we've got. And the winner is Low Carb Monster 8. Okay, well done, Low Carb Monster 8. You have some sweet, sweet merch coming your way. Hey, don't take my line. Oh, I I just took it. (laughs) But you are correct though. Sweet, sweet merch coming your way. (laughs) All right, and since next week's top five is going to be a random list, Dean, pick a number between 1 and 50. 16. It is an interesting one. Oh, it's got to be better than Hong Kong films. Hey, we picked that. That wasn't a random one. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we're going to ask you, what is your favourite con artist film? Con artist, that's good. Yeah, a lot of good variety there. I think I've seen at least five con artist films. At least. Have you seen more than four and a half? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Well, I look forward to hearing your top five then. We're both masters. Who won? How did it end? All right, Dean, it's time to find out who won the latest Pod V Pod movie draft between us and Gerald from Two Peas on a podcast in our draft on Creatures in Films. Ah, yes, Creatures. And Gerald was team one and he had Jaws, Godzilla, Skarsgård's Pennywise. He wanted to make sure it was Skarsgård's. The Fly and Sully. It's called Brundlefly. Just I was about so to know. say that. I was going to say it. I was going to say Jeff Goldblum's Fly. No, it's Brundlefly. And we had... Xenomorph, The Thing, Yoda, Groot, 
and the genie from Aladdin. That's the Robin Williams genie. That's right. All right, let's take a look at some responses here. First one from Mackenzie Lambert. Team IMDb Journey. Louis Reem says, Team IMDb. Alien, Thing, Yoda, Groot, Genie. Appeared in movies that were more successful, so they must be superior in a fight. Now, I don't think we ever said... It's a battle. Pick the team based on who would win in a fight. But, you know, people can choose who they want to choose based on any criteria they want. Exactly right. Ghost of the Stratosphere says, This is rough because Team IMDb Journey is stronger overall, but Team Two Peas on a Podcast has Godzilla, who should be number one. Have to go with Godzilla, I guess. We don't have to. Nick at the Epic Film Guy says, Fucking Groot! Team Two Peas all the way. How dare you, Nick? (laughs) Groot is amazing. (laughs) We are Groot. Nice. It's a touching moment for us there. It was. Movie Drone Podcast says, Close, but Pennywise lets down Team Two Peas, much the same as It Chapter Two let me down. So Team IMDb Journey. Should have gone with Tim Curry. That's that's That was the turning point. Paul at the Countdown Podcast says, Hardest vote ever. Team IMDb were nailing it and then dropped the ball so badly it hurts. Team Two Peas had the more solid tail. Ah! I don't so know who he voted what, for. What was your vote? I love when people write stuff like that and doesn't tell us who they voted <laughs> for. Thanks a lot, Paul. Maybe he didn't vote. Fair enough, I guess. <laughs> the What Should We Watch podcast says, You and your guests always make this a hard choice, but it's got to be Team IMDb Journey for me because I am Groot. Take that, Nick. <laughs> Dave at the Super Movie Brothers says, I'm going to go with the team that has Xenomorphs and the thing on it. That's IMDb. Yes. I kind of take exception to Yoda being a creature since in that universe he isn't. Well, we did stipulate non-human, but that wasn't presented to the blind draft. So I'll let you off the hook this time, Dave. Makes sense. Clyde says, straight to the point, Team IMDb Journey. Gidget Von LaRue says, Team IMDb Journey. Alien Queen wins it. Boom. Sam at the Movie Reviews and 20Qs podcast says, Thing, Alien, Yoda, Groot. I mean, great work. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. TV Worth Watching says, I would never want to be face-to-face with the Alien Queen, not even in my dreams. So, team IMDb for me. Mayor of Nilbog says, any team with the Zilla must be declared the winner. Obviously, that's for Team 2Ps. 3-on-1 podcast says, it and Jaws. Team 2Ps, easily. Julio the Contrarian says, Team 2Ps has the fly, which is the best of them all, but Team IMDb Journey has the stronger lineup, even with the what-the-fuck genie pick. How dare you, Julio? Uh, I, I kind of agree with him there. <laughs> hey, you agreed with the pick. Yeah, in hindsight. Now, now you're looking back on it, are you? Yeah. Lastly, from Two Blue Monsters. Hopefully they're genie fans, am I right? They could be Sully fans. Hmm. Team IMDb Journey yes. ha- has aliens, so I had to betray my love of Godzilla. Sully. Pennywise and Jaws. That's the power of Alien there. Wow. Takes down four of them. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for your responses. Let's take a look at the results. And the draft goes to us. 64% to 36. Bad luck, Gerald. Gives us a 3 to nil win on that one. Destroyed it. Yeah. It's the first time in a, in a while. So I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, we definitely needed it. There's this tournament. Let the tournament begin! All right, Dean, it's time to find out the results of the final eight in our best 1990s film tournament. First match here... Jurassic Park, it Un- continues. Unbeatable. 65% victory over seven with a 35% loss. Well, next one, we have Fight Club up against Forrest Gump. And one of them won 51% to 49. Wow. Thankfully, it was Fight Club. Yes, it was. I'm pretty happy with that. Next match here, another 51% victory. Wow. It is. Goodfellas takes out Schindler's List, 51%. Crazy. Which is great for me. 
because I did pick Goodfellas to beat Schindler's List in this final eight. I feel like you might get this draft. We will take a look at those results so far after this, and you, you are correct. But this last match, Dean, what do we got? It's a killer. Pulp Fiction up against The Matrix, and it wasn't close. Pulp Fiction wins 64%. Yeah. Not only was it a killer for The Matrix, but it was a killer for your draft, as yeah. your winner is now out. Yes. But let's take a look at the final four coming up. We have the number 33 seed, Jurassic Park, against the number four seed, Fight Club. Yeah, I Surely think, this has to be a, a super close match. I, th- I don't think it will be. I think do you think Jurassic Park's going to take this? I think easily. Now that the Matrix is out, do you think Jurassic Park's going to like take this down? Yes, I do. Interesting. What about the second match here? We have Goodfellas, number seven seed, up against the number three seed, Pulp Fiction. I, I think Pulp Fiction. I think Pulp Fiction. I think Pulp Fiction will take that one. So that's your final four matches. But let's take a look at our current bracket. Now, I think the big points here were you had Terminator 2 making it pretty far, which has dropped out. I had Shawshank Redemption making it to the end, which it went out really early. You also had The Sixth Sense going a, a little further than it did, and your Matrix dropped out early. So looking at the results so far, you are currently on 27 to my 31. And considering I'm five points up with three matches left, I've won it. Yes, no, well done. What I did find interesting going back and looking at it is that you actually picked Forrest Gump to beat Reservoir Dogs. Did I? Yeah. I mean, that's not personal choice. That's, I know, but yeah. I, I just found that I thought you would have picked Reservoir Dogs even even through personal and through general opinion. So that was that was a, a interesting one to go back and look at. Fair enough. So, what's next? All right, Dean, it's time for you to choose what the next film's going to be. Now, as we said at the start of the episode, we've got a new thing coming up for uh, the next month. Since it is October, it is the month of Halloween. And we are part of the All The Horror. Now, what that is, is a whole bunch of different podcasts, artists, authors, you name it. You're going to be getting some piece of content every single day of October, horror-related, from the entire group of people. Now, as we are part of this, our next two picks are going to be horror-related off the top 250. Now, there, it's, um, it's a little short on uh, the list here. Very short. There's actually five films that were, that were horror, and we've already done two of them, and they were Silence of the Lambs and The Thing. So we've got three movies to choose from, Dean. Now, what is the film you're picking for our next breakdown? I've gone a few ways with this in my head between these, these three remaining and I decided, even though I think you would pick it if I didn't now, I don't want to not do it. So I'm going to go with Alien. Okay, Alien. That's our next film. Interesting. All right. So that leaves two films for me. And I feel like with the upcoming release of Dr. Sleep, the supposed sequel to this film, I feel like it's the perfect opportunity to do our breakdown of The Shining. Okay, get that out of the way then. Fantastic. All right. So our next two breakdowns are going to be Alien and The Shining. Sounds great. But for next week, it is Pod v Pod 28. And like we said, it is a horror-related Pod v Pod. And we're going to have our guests on, and they are the Invasion of the Remake. They are basically the creators of this All the Horror series going on. So they're going to come on. We're going to have a big horror-related battle. Now, we are not the uh, the biggest horror uh, fans. Don't make excuses already. I'm sure we'll do fine, Hendo. I'm going to have to bulk up on my horror knowledge in the next week, and uh, hopefully we can uh, hold our own. I have no doubt we will do fine as we always do. Well, we'll see you in a week, won't we? So thank you very much, listeners, and we will see you next week for Pod v Pod 28. Bye. Bye.